We want to risk and, and use our relationships to uh, leverage our, our kingdom ability to do things for God. So, hey, if you got that outline, would you take that out and maybe you've got a Bible with you or if you've got a, uh, an iPad or your cell phone or something that you want to study God's Word with, open up your Bible app. Uh, we invite you to do that with us. Uh, we've uh, started a series last week called Welcome Home. And you've, you're going to hear that word a lot uh, these days. You're going to hear it even next week a lot. But um, this series called Welcome Home is all about us thinking about who we are as the body of Christ together, but also thinking about heaven. And every one of these messages, I'm going to be talking a little bit about heaven as well, because that is, according to God, our planned home that he's created for us. So Welcome Home is the series that we're in. It's only a three-week series, and we'll conclude it next week. And part of what I'm doing in this series is also enjoying this incredible teaching of Jesus, because Jesus was a master teacher. He would tell stories, even when it looked like they were unplanned stories sometimes, and open up people's minds and open their eyes and say, here's what the kingdom of God is like. So we're going to be reading a story today that Jesus told. He created this story, but in the story, he wanted people to get an image of what the kingdom of God was like and what God was like himself. Now today, let me start off with a question. What's your favorite restaurant. I want you to think about that for a minute, all right? What is your favorite restaurant? I asked my wife that question last night in the bed because her birthday is this week, and we're going to be taking her out to her birthday celebration. She was like, Stephen, I don't know. And I was like, come on, babe. I know you got a favorite restaurant. I started naming some of my favorite restaurants. You know, is it Pasta Mac? I'm a pasta guy. You know, is, it, is it Italian? I think she likes it too. Is it, is it, is it the Olive Garden? Or maybe... You know, maybe it's a different one. Would you rather go to this one? I started naming restaurants, and she just said, when do I have to give you an answer? And I was like, huh? I said, tonight. No, she said, no, I'm not giving you one tonight. Listen, I wonder what your favorite restaurant is. Think about that for a minute. We've got a lot of good restaurants around here. Some of us like the, the kind of chain restaurants, maybe like the Outbacks, you know, the Longhorns. Some of us like the Mom and Pop's place that are more uniquely associated with this place, right? Maybe like I said before, the Pasta Max. This is not a commercial, really. It's not a commercial. Um, but I do want you to think about food for a minute, okay? Now, if you were to pin me down and you were to say, hey, Stephen, what if you could pick your meal, your most favorite meal, if you could pick the place and the time and the, and the situation, if you could go and have a meal anywhere you wanted on planet Earth, what would you pick? I bet everybody in this room would be surprised. I bet my wife wouldn't even know what it would be. It would be, I would, I would have to travel back in time for this one. It would be back at my grandma's house when I was a little kid. Because my grandma, who has now passed away, who I, is the matriarch of our family, when my grandma cooked around the house, when we would go there for Sunday lunch after church, you, you, maybe you can imagine, but it was awesome. I mean, now you, what you need to know about my grandma was my grandma was one of those cafeteria ladies at the school. You know what I'm talking about? She was one of those ladies who wore the bonnet over her hair, but she was also the lady who was in charge of all the ladies. And my grandma could cook, and I mean she could really cook. When we went to my grandma's house, it was like heaven to me, okay? Now, here there was a, there was a kind of interesting thing that went on at my grandma's house, though, because my grandma was quiet, and, and she, was, uh, she was like one of these most... She was a very revered, very respected lady. She didn't say a lot of words, but it was almost like power and authority just came out of her, you know. And when I went to my grandma's house, even though I was a younger person and around this large family, 
I would go in the line, I would get my food, and, and if I had just a few moments with my grandma to say thank you, it was just heaven to me, but the food was phenomenal. And every once in a while, I would just get a chance to, instead of everybody else getting a moment to spend with her, I'd get a few moments with my grandma. And it was, those are sweet moments. If I could go back, bring me to tears, if I could go back to any place in time to a meal, that's the meal I'd go back to on planet Earth. And, just, and I wouldn't miss a moment to go sit down with my grandma for a minute. Now, how about you? I want you to think about it. I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to ask you to share it with a neighbor. If you could have, if you could, after church today, and we got hot dogs, but forget hot dogs, all right? If, we were, if you were going to have a meal after church in one of your most favorite settings, what would be two dishes that would be there for you on this Sunday afternoon where you would say, out of all the meals, if I could make sure two dishes were served today, this is the two that I would want to eat. Would you just turn to your neighbor real quickly, share with them what it would be? What are the two dishes you'd want at a lunch? All right, let's do a little test real quickly. You shared that with your neighbor. I want to find out something about who's here today, okay? If you shared a meat, all right, would you raise your hand up? Let's just ah, look around for a minute. Look at all the meat people. All right, now take those hands down. Now, if you shared a casserole, why don't you raise your hand up? Not as many casseroles get out of here, really? All right, raise your hand if you shared a dessert. Raise your hand up. The meat people win. All right. You know, the meat people win. Hey, listen, um, today I want to talk to you about food. I want to talk to you about a feast, and I want to read to you a great story. Uh, Jesus was one time eating with some very religious people. The Bible says, matter of fact, you got, you got your Bible, I invite you to turn with me, Luke chapter 14. Jesus was eating at a Pharisee's house, and he knew he was being watched. And um, there are some moments where it looks like when Jesus is teaching, and he's preaching, and he's sharing a story about the kingdom of God, I think to myself, as a preacher, as one who shares the gospel, I think to myself, man, I wonder if he got that from the Lord during his prayer time. I wonder if he planned all day and looked for the moment to share that particular story. But I got to tell you, there are other moments that almost just seem like Jesus is so connected to the Father that he's in a moment, and he sees it as a moment to speak kingdom words to them, to give them a picture, and he just does it in that moment without a lot of preparation because he's so connected in with God. And this is one of those moments. Jesus is at a Pharisee's house, a guy who's very religious, and he knows he's being watched, and it's a very kind of uh, religious setting with a lot of people who are wondering, hey, who is this guy, and what does this Jesus really believe, and he's making all this, these new, this news and ripples everywhere, and, and if you remember the story, and I'm not going to kind of re preach around this, so let me just give you a context. In Luke chapter 14, Jesus sees a guy there who's got a disease. It's, it's a disease of his muscles. It's called dropsy. And, and Jesus asks, it's, it's the Sabbath day, and Jesus asks a question. He says, hey, is it, is it right to heal this guy on the Sabbath, or should we just let him just keep on laboring under this disease that he's got? And nobody answers, right? Nobody, and Jesus does what you think Jesus would do. He wants to take this guy out of his pain. So Jesus heals the guy, and they're at dinner, all right? They're just having a great meal together. Jesus heals the guy, and then Jesus starts to do a little bit of teaching. Jesus starts teaching about people of honor and people places of places of honor or places of servanthood and how the people are seated around the room and while they're eating the meal this guy busts out with a with a saying or a phrase I guess and, and in Luke chapter 14 verse 15 he says uh, I don't know did he did he want to sound smart did he want to sound religious or maybe this is his way of saying 
hey, this is an awesome feast we're having. Maybe one day it's going to be like this in heaven. But the guy kind of yells out at the table. He says, blessed is the man who will eat in the, at the feast in the kingdom of God. He's talking about heaven, right? Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And it's in that moment that Jesus appears to tell a story that, uh, that almost wasn't planned. He tells a story, and like any story Jesus ever tells, he wants to open up people's eyes and open up their minds to who God really is. He wants to open up their minds and open up their hearts to the kingdom of God. And so I want you to listen with kingdom ears, because your views of God and your views of heaven, don't matter how old you are or, or how long you've been in the church or have not been in the church, they can sometimes not be the real thing. So let's go to the real thing, right? Let's listen to the story of Jesus and try to get what he says the kingdom of God is like. And Jesus says in, um, in, in Luke chapter uh, 14, a certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. You might want to underline that, those two words. He invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come. For everything is now ready, but they all alike, they all alike, every one of them alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And then another one said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to go try them out. Please excuse me. And still another one said, I just got married so I can't come. The servant came back, and he reported this to his master. Let me stop right there for a minute, kind of break this down a little bit. What Jesus just did is he's telling us a, a story about the kingdom of God, and he really gives us five pictures. So I want you to think about those five pictures, and I put them right there in the, in the middle of your outline today. Five pictures. The first one is a man. Now, you know, whether the folks at the dinner table that night were able to figure it out or not, naturally he was talking about the Father, right? He's talking about God himself. He's talking about our Father in heaven. He says there was a certain man who had a banquet. Now, the banquet, we can talk about what that might be, but the guy had just said, you know, blessed is the man who will one day eat at the kingdom, eat in the kingdom of God, the banquet of God, right? So Jesus is talking probably about heaven. He's talking about the, the, the banquet of the kingdom life, the heaven life that God has prepared for me. And this man sent out many invitations, invitations. You know, I've got a couple of weddings coming up. I'm actually doing a couple of weddings, so sometimes you invite the pastor. That's a good thing. And um, I, these invitations showed up to the house, got in the mailbox, and my wife has them, you know, sitting on the counter right there where I see them every day. And they're also a reminder that we've got to RSVP our family to come and those kind of things. A real invitation sits in front of me every day. And in Jesus' story, he says, this guy sent out many invitations. The picture is a lot. Like if, if I was inviting, every one of you would have gotten an invitation, okay? That's the picture. Every one of you, every one of you would have gotten a personal invitation for the banquet feast, all right? And then a servant was sent. Now we might want to note that this doesn't say servants were sent. It's not plural. It's individual. And that's how Jesus chose to tell the story. And of course, they might not even understand who Jesus is. And that Jesus was a servant sent to invite people to the kingdom feast. That's why Jesus came, you know. And so maybe the big servant in the story, Jesus is talking about himself, the one who goes out and gives the invitations, you know. But then, I love the last piece. The, the meal is ready. 
You know, in Jesus' story, he says, come and tell them for everything's now ready. I, the way I put it was, it's supper time, guys, going back to my grandma's house. When I knew I was going to my grandma's house, this is a great time. But what actually happens in this story is something vastly different than maybe what we would have expected for a great feast or a banquet. Now, let me tell you the way I understand this, how it happened in, in that culture, which is a little different from our culture today. In that culture, there actually would, the way I understand it, there would have been actually two invitations. The first invitation would have went out to everybody, and it would have been an invitation that was, that was very uh, kind of broadcast. It was, this is a big moment going on. This is a big celebration moment coming up in our lives. It might have even said what the, what the celebration was going to be about. But it left a window in the timing. The, the, the timing, the date, the, the very moment that the feast would happen was not descript on the first invitation. Why? In their culture, their culture was a lot different than our culture. In their culture, they didn't have Publix and Kroger. You can go down to the grocery store and get any food you wanted. Sometimes the way they did food depended upon when the harvest season came out, you know, when the food was really ready to be gone, okay? And, and sometimes it even meant, believe it or not, you know, that, that when that cow finally gets fat enough, right? We're going to fatten up the cow a little bit. And, and sometimes it took them time to know the exact date and the time and, and how they would do it. But then... When the moment got close, they would send a very personalized invitation. And, th and this invitation wasn't like, okay, it's going to be in that month. You know, this, that, now it was, here it is, and it's time. The meal is ready. Here's the location. Here's the date. Here's the time. Come on, we're going to have a great feast, a great banquet. And th at this moment in Jesus' story, when the very personal invitation comes out to people, all of a sudden they start making excuses. Now, I just want to make sure I'm not alone here real quickly. Have you ever invited somebody to something, they acted like they were going to come to the something that you were inviting them to, and then when it got time for you to do the something, and you called them back, or you said, hey, let's go, all of a sudden they started making excuses, and they started backing out of you, and it hurt your feelings. Am I alone? Or have you been there? As other people, raise your hand if, you've, if you've, been, you've been given an excuse for somebody not going. Okay, first of all, every man in the room, if you ask a girl on a date and she backed out on you, you should have raised your hand right there, okay? Because we know what it's like. We know what it's like when they act like they are going to come and, and be with us, and then all of a sudden, at the last minute, they back out on us. They make excuses, right? And, and in this picture of this story, you get the picture, you get the idea that it really hurt the, the man's heart who was inviting them. I mean, to the point where the Bible even says, Jesus said, he got mad. But before we get there, hey, notice their excuses. Three different excuses, and I think, I just, Jesus is so smart, you always have to go, what's he really getting at here, okay? Three different excuses. The first one is a guy who says, hey, I bought a field, hadn't seen it yet, got to go look at it. By the way, any of you ready to go buy a field you've never seen before, and you, you just, you know, you're going to buy a field sight unseen, and now I'm going to go look at it? Does that sound like a very good excuse? No, nobody would normally buy a, buy a field, never even look at it, and then go look at it after they buy it. But we'll come back to that, right? The second one is, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I got to go test them out. Now, in our day, that'd be like saying, I just bought five John Deere tractors that are going to help me with my harvest. Hadn't looked at any of them, bought them, they're on the property, I got to go see if they run, all right? And then the third excuse was, hey, I just got married. I picture this, you know, the henpecked new husband, you know, I don't want to get her mad, you know, this, this is that guy, right? But if you look at it a little bit deeper, and by the way, I'm going to throw me under the bus first, okay? I have certainly made excuses in my life. When God was inviting me into relationship, God was inviting me to go clear, closer, when God was inviting me, just, I remember when I was, 
when I was far away from God and God was saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, and I just wouldn't hear any of it, I, I, I'll tell you, I made up my excuses. And my excuses weren't vastly different from these excuses. Notice three things about these excuses. The first guy is his material possessions, all right? It's land. And there's some people, and I know I'm not alone here, there's some people who are afraid to say yes to God's invitation to them because they're afraid, is he going to make me give up everything? That's where I was, I was there, by the way. My biggest fear was, my biggest fear was that God was going to call me to like Timbuktu, and I was going to be like out there with the African New Guinean people, you know, like, Whoa! you know, I was afraid. I was afraid that I lose my stuff, okay? I was afraid that if I said yes to God, that he would, all my, my, my material possessions, and by the way, we like our stuff, right? All those would be gone. And so this guy, the first guy is kind of like a material possession guy. The second guy is kind of like um, your profession or your duty. I want you to see it like that. You know, he's got things to do. He's got a job. He's got a career. He's got a profession. He's evidently got oxen that are going to have to plow fields and those kind of things, and he's busy. So this is a guy who's got busyness on his mind. He's got other things to do. Anything other than God, I've got a job to do. I've got money to make. I've got to do this, 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 or that. And I think that is a very easy excuse. And by the way, that is, for some people, their big excuse of all. It's their career. It's their duty. It's their job. They got, you know, I don't got time for that spiritual stuff. I'm just going to work for today and make today, you know. But look at that last one. And that last one is big. Jesus picks a guy, and his excuse is, I just got married. What's that one mean? What's that one about? Well, relationships are what marriage is about, right? And there are some people who that's their big excuse. Relationships. Relationships. Sometimes it's human relationships. I'm afraid of what might happen if I get too close human, human relationship-wise. And then they take that same thing of being afraid of intimacy on a horizontal level, and they apply it to God. And they say, you know what? I'm afraid of, the, I'm afraid of other people. I don't want to get too close. Don't let them see me too close. And Man, how about God, too? I might as well, that, they start working that same way with God. I'm afraid to get intimate with God because relationally, I mean, he'll know all that I am about, and it gets kind of messy, and okay, I'd, I'd rather just stay distant. And that's how that works. Jesus takes three people, gives three excuses, and, and they might be a little different, but the truth of the matter is, at the end of the day, every one of the excuses was exactly the same because they were an excuse, right? They were saying, we're not coming. We're not coming for this. We're not coming for that. By the way, probably every one of us have been there before, and, and we didn't mean to hurt the heart of God, but God invited us to something great and beautiful, and we said, not right now, God, you know. I remember, hey, I remember particularly in my life, I was in a relationship that I should not have been in before I got married, thankfully, and, um, and, and, and God was tapping on my shoulder, and he was saying, you don't need to be dating this girl. This is, not, this is not what I want for you. And I was like, come on, God. <laughs> not right now. You know? And he was saying, I have, a better, I have a better invitation. I have a better life for you. And I was like, come on, God. She's so beautiful. You know? And God was saying, no, I got something else for you over here. I got something else for you over here. It's so easy to make excuses. But watch what happens when the excuse arrives to the man who had created the feast and said, now supper time, right? Jesus continues his story. Then the owner of the house, the one who had invited the guests, the owner of the house became angry, and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in, listen to this, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room, there's still room at the table. Then the master told his servant, 
go out to the roads and the country lanes and, you might want to underline these two words, compel them. Compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Let me just pause for a minute. If you kind of want, if you don't get anything else out of this message and you want a picture of God, I want you to listen to that last word. A God who is sending out invitations to the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. He's sending out, and his whole intent is he wants his table full. He just wants people to enjoy what he has created for them. It reminds me of my grandma who worked so hard for the meal. And then when the meal came, she wouldn't even go through the line. She would just sit there and watch people go through, and she enjoyed them getting to enjoy what she had worked so hard for for them. And it's the picture of God where God says, here's my heart. I just want the table full. I want the table full. I've invited a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people, and a lot of them are saying, no, I just want my table full. Get the crippled, get the blind, get the lame, get, get, get any, go to the country roads, go to the country lanes, yell it out, I want my table full. And then Jesus said this, I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. You know what, as I was reading this this past week, and just pouring over it, and I was reading it, trying to read it just every day, multiple times every day, this thought occurred to me, you know what, you and I get to choose today. We're still living, right? We get to choose who we get to be. And for some people, when you hear those words like poor, crippled, lame, and blind, you're saying, I don't want to be them people, you know? But you know what? You get to choose. Do you want to get to be the people who got the invitation and said, hey, I'm going to make an excuse and I'm not going to go? Or do you get to be the person who says, hey, you can categorize me however you want to categorize me. Call me poor. Call me crippled. Call me lame. Call me blind. But I'm going to be one who's found at the table. You know, we get to choose which one of those two categories of people in the story we're going to be. And that's the beauty of who Jesus is as a master teacher, because he's sitting there with probably a hodgepodge of people at this table telling them this story. Some of them, you know, consider themselves super-duper religious. Some of them probably consider themselves just seekers trying to figure out who is this whole God kingdom thing, and who is this guy Jesus, because he makes my, makes my heart jump. He makes my ears burn. And they get to figure out who they're going to be, where they're going to really be at the banquet of God one day. You got your pen. I just want to point out a couple of things about this, this table of God that is represented in Jesus' story. It's a picture of a man who's inviting people to his table because he has a great feast plan. And I just want you to get this picture of what is the table. Why are you, would you even be invited to the table? What is this kingdom banquet really all about? And the first thing I want to talk about is that this invitation to God's table is an invitation to you in a very personal way. It's about personal relationship. It's about relationship. It's about God just not wanting you to come to the banquet because you're going to enjoy it, but he wants to come to the banquet because he loves you. He cares about you. You see, at my grandma's table, she knew my name. Now, I might have felt a little scared sometimes to go up to my grandma because she was so revered and everything. And, and I might have felt like, you know, everybody else was trying to get my grandma, and so I didn't necessarily deserve to get a lot of time with my grandma. But let me tell you, I knew my grandma knew if I was there or not. And I knew my grandma knew my name. And I knew it mattered to my grandma that I was sitting there enjoying what she had made for us. You know, when you think about that, and I don't know if you've had an experience like that at all, 
But one of the reasons my heart goes back to that is because that was a very, it, the food was great. The food was phenomenal. The food was the best I've ever had in my life. But beyond the food, it was this warm sense of I'm cared for, I'm loved. This is family, you know? It was that picture of this is my family. And um, it's so important that you understand that you'll, you'll hear it sometimes preached that God's all about sin. God's all about, you know, you getting your slate white clean, and it's all about you getting your act together. I want to tell you, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this God thing, what Jesus came proclaiming was a, was a kingdom of a God who, yes, he is the one who flung the stars in space. And yes, he is a big God who is the cosmic king. But what blows our minds is he knows our name, and he loves us personally. The prophet Jeremiah, way back, way, way, way thousands of years ago, the prophet Jeremiah said one of the greatest mysterious, blowing, mind-blowing things ever in the whole book, in the entire book, the prophet said in one sentence something that should, I'll wrestle with the rest of my days. In Jeremiah 31.3, he says, God has loved you with an everlasting love. I just want you to think about that for a minute. Because I screw up. I mess up daily. And he doesn't ever give up on me. I break covenant. I blow it. I say no to his invitation, and he never gives up. He has, he has an everlasting love for me. And, um, and that, that should blow our minds. It's the greatest mystery of the universe. Prophet Jeremiah said it thousands of years ago. God has loved you with an everlasting love. And when he sent out those invitations, it wasn't just like a broadcast invitation. It was like an invitation that said, I want you here. Shanda, I want you here. Donna, I want you here. Jenny, I want you here. It's, he knows your name. He knows every one of your names. And he says, I want you here. It's this personal thing. And, and, and I don't know whether the people at the table that night, when Jesus is telling this story, understood it. But here we are sitting here after the cross, and we get the picture of a God who loved us so much he died for us. How cool is it that we get an invitation to say, you know what? God knows your name. Daniel, he knows your name. He knows you, brother. And he loves you. And, and the whole reason you've been invited to the table is because the God of the universe, the one who set the cosmos in order, the one who spoke light into being, he knows your name and he wants a personal relationship with you. And that is phenomenal. But it's, here's cool. Listen, it's bigger than that. It's, it's deeper than that. Hey, Lynn, I've been praying for you with your surgery. Love you. Um, sorry. <laughs> I've been thinking about Lynn a lot. Got this one? Write this one down. One of the reasons you've been given an invitation is for purpose purpose. Stephen, what do you mean by that? You know, Ephesians 2.10 says this, that you are God's workmanship. The Greek word there is poema, P-O-E-M-A. It's like you're God's poem, you're God's opus, you're God's sonnet. You are God's, he's been, you're his masterpiece. Ephesians 2.10, and I didn't ask him to put it on the screens. You can write it down, you can look at it later, but the Bible says that you are God's <laughs> workmanship, and you were created in advance before you were ever born in your mother's room, he created you with a purpose, and that was to do good works for him. And as a dad, let me tell you why this is so heavy on my mind right now. I've got a sophomore in college. I've got one graduating from um, high school like in a month or two months, and I've got a young, a young sophomore. And I've got to tell you, one of the things that I live daily with is I'm, I'm praying for my kids because I want them at this you know, unique moment in their lives, their, their later teens, early 20s, I want them to discover their place, you know? As their dad, 
I want them to discover all of their talents, all their skills, all their dreams. I want them to be able to do with their life something that is fun and joyful and rewarding and significant and yet is all that God, Ephesians 2.10, planned in advance for them to do. And so as a dad right now, I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about their talents, their skills, their personality, their passion. And I'm thinking, okay, God, how are you going to work this thing out where they end up doing with their life the good works that you prepared in advance for them to do? How's that going to work? And see, here's the cool thing. When God invites us to the table, it's not like just, hey, enjoy the meal and say goodbye. It's like, you know what? I not only know your name, I gave you every talent, I gave you every skill, I gave you your personality, I gave you everything about you, because why? Because it's more than about knowing your name. I have good plans for you, right? There goes Jeremiah again, by the way, that old prophet who said in 31.3, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Just two chapters before that, he said in Jeremiah 29.11, I have plans for you. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. These are my plans for you. How cool is it that you and me, we get invited to the table, and it's not just to enjoy and fill our stomachs, it's actually to get to do something, you know? We get to do something. And sometimes it's clean the table, and sometimes, you know, I remember one time, one year I was asked to uh, sweep the, uh, the, 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 the porch of my grandma's house after the big meal was over, and I went out there and I did it. I swept the porch. Now, I got in more trouble than you know because I thought there, there was these big buckets. We had a huge family, like 70 people at my grandma's house. There was these big buckets, and they were already filled with liquids. I thought, it, I, thought I, could, I thought I could sweep and mop the porch with it. It was sweet tea. That's how we got our. I mopped the whole porch with sweet tea. I blew it, you know, and I got in some big-time trouble. But you know what? I was getting to do something. And what I'm saying, what I'm saying, don't miss the point. What I'm saying is that in the kingdom of God, you've been invited to the table for purpose. Hey, listen. Male, female, Republican, Democrat, old, young, doesn't matter. I just want to speak a word of truth here real quickly. Sometimes uh, when you're young, people say you, you don't really count for much. So, and, and I know what it's like as a young person to kind of hear that, you know, one day, one day you can end up doing something. But right now, you just, you can't do anything right, so you just don't worry about doing something. And that's not really right, and we know that's not right, right? Young people have a lot to offer. And sometimes, by the way, when you get old, Sometimes when you get a little bit older, sometimes you feel like you don't have as much to offer. You don't feel like you're necessarily God's workmanship, God's poema, God's sonnet, God's opus. You don't feel like that anymore. You feel like, man, my best days are gone. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you for the young person, the old person alike, listen, listen. God's got a good, good, good work for you to do. And he's invited you to the table because there's a purpose that you have. There's a purpose in this life that you are to accomplish for him, to make much of him, and to use all your talents and all your skills, all of your being for him. Get those down. Here's one more. Write this one down. And then this one is very much excites me. One of the things about the invitation is the invitation is an offer of a place, okay? So when you've got that invitation in the mail, now recently I've been invited to Taryn Bates' wedding, and in Taryn's wedding, um, they're going to have it about an hour from here, and it's only going to be on a big farm. I know where the place is. I hadn't been there yet, but in about a month, I get to go to this farm. They're working so hard, they're preparing for, right? And I get to go, and I'm going to get to see how beautiful, and I'm sure it's going to be gorgeous, but right now, I've not seen it. It's not too vastly different from heaven. 
Now, we don't know how to put our finger on where heaven is or how you get, you know, is it up north, south? Where, 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 we don't know all that, but here's what we know. The Bible says God is preparing a place for us since the foundation of the world that he will bring us into an eternal place whose foundation is, is solid in the kingdom of God. It's a very real place. And you know, as I was reading this story this past week, the thought occurred to me, you know what? Far too little is ever preached and taught about heaven. Because I think people need to know more and more and more about heaven. I don't have a long time to go about heaven right now, but I want to tell you guys, heaven is more than you ever dreamed or imagined. When the Bible talks about streets of gold and crystal seas and a place of no more pain and no more weeping and no more crying and all that kind of stuff, let me tell you, that's only like, that's, that's, that ain't even the tip of the iceberg to what heaven's going to be like. Heaven's going to be the family of God eating around the table of God. God's going to be there. And it's going to be like, woo, we get to do this forever. Hallelujah. And I think some people are afraid of that because they think they're going to be like cherubs and white robes and playing harps. And let me tell you, that ain't close to what heaven is, okay? Heaven is going to be a place. Listen, it's, listen, it's going to be a place of personal relationship with God. You think you might have a personal tie with God right now? Maybe you get up and talk to him in the morning and you walk to him. Listen, you, you ain't seen it yet. You ain't even seen it yet, the personal relationship you're going to get to have with God if you get to heaven, right? But it's more than that, and here's what you need to know. I probably need to do a whole series on heaven. Heaven ain't just about getting there and, and you know, singing kumbaya for eternity. That ain't what it's about. We get to do stuff in heaven. There's purpose in heaven. The Bible says those of you who have been given much and have accomplished much, you'll be given even more to do in heaven. And I don't even know all that that means yet. But heaven is a place where we get to do stuff for the kingdom of God. But it's a place. It's a real place. It's a real place. But you know what I've discovered? When I was 11 years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ on a beach, Cumberland Island, South Carolina. I put my knees in that dirt, and I said, if you're there, God, I want to know it. He said, I'm here, and I love you. And tonight, I gave my life to Jesus. And it was the night heaven started for me. I feel compelled to talk to you about something that I think a lot of people in this room don't understand, and I don't know how to talk about it today, but I just feel like God's told me to, to talk about something real quickly, and I'm just going to make it brief. But I think there's a lot of people who journey through this life, and they don't even understand this concept that I try to live my life around every day called the favor of God. What it's like to try to walk in the favor of God, walk in the blessings of God, walk in the obedience of God, not walking in the cursings of God. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't even understand this. But I want to tell you guys, um, one day I'll pass from this life, and the Bible says that the moment I leave this body, to be absent in the body means to be present with the Lord, and I'll be with Jesus at that moment. And I know, I know all that the Bible's talked about with that word heaven is going to start for me in a whole new way that day, but I want to tell you, there is a way that you can live today and you can experience the favor of God, the blessings of God over your life. And I don't think this is common knowledge. I think that a lot of people, they don't, they don't realize every day they wake up that, that God's wanting to walk with them and talk with them and, and to lay his blessings over their life if they'll just go where he tells them to go and do the things that he tells them to do, if they just walk in relationship with him. But one of the things I've learned in my life is that when I go my way, 
that ain't called favor. It goes bad. When I go my way and I choose my things, I don't feel the good favor of God over my life. But when I have ears to hear, when I start my day with just five minutes, a chair and a Bible, and he gives me direction, when I just, when I just do it his way, when I accept his invitation every day to try to just walk and listen and talk and do. And, I mean, there, some of you understand this, but some of you don't know what I'm talking about here right now. It's something called, somebody once described it to me as the fog, the favor of God over my life. And I don't know about you, I want to walk, I want every day, I want, I want every day to be a foggy day for me. I want it to be a day where I walk in the favor of God every day and I try to live in his blessings. And let me talk to men for a minute. Hey, dads. Hey, granddads. Listen, it's so important that you try to walk in the favor of God every day because it bleeds down into your kids and it bleeds over your marriage. It does, it does, it does. So every day, every day, we get a chance to either accept his invitation or, or make an excuse and say, no, nah, you know, today I'm going to take care of my material possessions or today I'm going to take care of my job, my duties, or today I'm going to take care of these relationships over here and I'm not going to really make it all about you today, God. I'm just going to take care of that stuff. You know I, know, I know I don't know everybody in this room here, but a lot of you, I'm your pastor. I just want to tell you that my prayer for you is a very simple prayer, that you would live out Ephesians 2.10, that you have been made as the, the, the sonnet, the poem of God, and that you would be doing the good works God prepared in advance for you to do, and that you would experience God's good hand of favor over your life. Look at, look at this. Look at how I'm bringing blessings into your life. doesn't mean doesn't mean it's not going to rain. doesn't mean it's not going to be stormy. doesn't mean you're gonna go, not going to go through trials. But you know what it means? It means no matter what you go through, the rock, the one who, who gave you the invitation, he's there with you, amen? He's there with you through any storm you're going to go through, and it makes all the difference in the world. Well, Jesus said, there was a man, he sent out a lot of invitations. And then when it was really time, all of them alike gave excuses. Please excuse me, something else to do. And it broke the master's heart and it made him angry. And he said to his servants, I don't care, I just want a full table. Give me the blind, give me the cripple, give me the lame, give me the poor. And you know what? I could preach a whole sermon about who the blind, the cripple, the lame, and the poor are. Why don't we just call it us? us and the invitation came and even then the table wasn't full and he said go stand on the road yell it out do whatever you gotta do compel them to come into my house I want a full table let me just speak one last word hey church hey church it's the Sunday before Easter it's the Sunday before Easter, and we live around blind, crippled, lame, and poor people every day. What will you do this week to compel them to come to the table of God? It's Easter Sunday. What a message for the church, right? Come on, invite them. Come on and invite them in. That's what it's all about, right? This is the clarion call for us. And the question is, have you accepted the invitation of God? Have you done that? Here's another question. Tomorrow morning, will you accept the invitation of God to feast at his table tomorrow? I asked Joe to sing a song. I just want you to listen to the song, and then I'm going to lead us in a prayer after that's over. But I'd like, to you think, I'd like for you to think while he's singing, 
about a God who knows your name, about a God who wants personal relationship with you, about a God who's invited you, and about a God who's got a purpose for your life and has got a place for you. Listen to these words, and then we'll pray together. All I know, more than all 
of the day, that's what really God wants from us. He just wants us to really see Him as what we want, uh, that He's enough. Not our material possessions, not, not our career or our duties, not other relationships trying to fill that hole inside of us, just Him. And that's saying, God, it's all about you. You bow your heads for a minute. Would you give your neighbor that kind of uh, gift of that privacy that you just are, got your eyes closed and you're only concerned about you? You know, my prayer is that we've, each one of us today have heard a whisper of God over our lives. I pray that each one of us have realized at some moment that in our lives we came to a realization that God had an invitation for us, that He cared about us. Personally, I hope that you've realized that. And I just wonder, I'd be remiss today if, if I didn't give somebody a chance to say, you know what, I've held God at bay for a really long time, but today is the day I want to accept His invitation of eternal life. You know, you can do that today, and it might be the most important day of your life. These next few minutes might be the most important minutes of your life. And if you're ready to finally say, God, I, I'm not going to make another excuse. I'm not going to make the excuse of my fears or of my failures or of anything else. I'm finally going to accept your invitation. This invites you. Would you raise your hand for this minute? If that's you, go ahead, raise your hand. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. You can just drop that hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to pray a prayer with you in just a minute. And you can just say, God, I, I, I thank you for that invitation. I accept it today. I will be found at the banquet of God. And I just wonder about the rest of us, you know. If you're here today and you're saying, God, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to walk and anything but your favor. I want to accept your invitation to walk tomorrow with you, and I want you to find me at your banquet table in heaven. God, I want to accept your invitation for Monday morning and Tuesday morning. Would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand for a minute. That's for all of us here who say, I want to walk like Christ. Yeah, thank you very much. Good. Let's pray together. God, we thank you that you care so much for us and you know us by name, and we, we ask you today, Lord, we ask you today, as we receive the invitation that You've given to us, would You just lavish that love on us? Would You wash us clean? Would You write our names in the Lamb's Book of Life? And would You walk and talk with us every day, leading and guiding us? We thank You, God, that, that we can have a personal, intimate relationship with You, even though You're so big, even though You've, you've, you've done so many phenomenal things, yet You want to have a very personal relationship with us. We don't deserve it, but today we accept it. As the poor and the crippled, as the blind and the lame, maybe some of us, that's not us. We, just, we were passing down the road and we heard the story. We accept the invitation of life. We receive it unto ourselves, Lord. And we give thanks that You would care enough to invite us. And Lord, if we're crippled there at the table, it doesn't matter to us. If we're blind there at the table, it doesn't matter to us. We just want to be with You enjoying Your feast. Thank you, Jesus, for life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your purpose over us. Hallelujah. Lord, in the next few minutes, as we uh, have a day especially for our children, especially for our teenagers, just to really enjoy them and to enjoy this season of life for parents and for aunts and uncles and for grandparents, we pray that you keep everybody safe this afternoon. And that, Lord, you just help us to have a great time with the body of Christ, just fellowshipping with one another. And Lord, we pray Your blessing over the food that we'll eat and over the laughter that we'll share with each other. And we pray, Lord, that even in the bouncy house, You would keep the kids safe and, and that You today, Lord, would be the reason that we, Your family, are together. Bless our time. Bless the food, Lord, we pray. 
And may everything we do bring you glory. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.